so glad you're here as we start this new series called Make War. And as I was thinking through um, what series kind of kick off this new school year and, you know, we had a great summer. You know, a lot of you guys went to uh, either Cabo or DR or Camp Barnabas. A lot of you guys went to, to summer camp. A number of you guys made decisions for Christ for the very first time, either at summer camp or maybe the past two weeks at Surge. It's been a great summer, and we've seen God do some awesome things. And a number of you guys have said yes to Jesus. You said, I'm ready to follow him, which is awesome. And what I want to do for the next few weeks is simply... Look at this idea, what it means for all of us to make war. Because we have an enemy out there, and the enemy absolutely, absolutely hates what is happening here at Surge. He hates it. He hates that nearly 500 people came last week. He hates that you guys are here tonight. And he's trying whatever he can to distract you, to get your mind off of, the, off of, off of his word. So you have to fight that. You have to fight the enemy and what he is trying to do tonight. And that's why we must make war. So over the next few weeks together, we're going to really be digging into this idea of what it means, this concept of what it means to make war. And the reason I think that this is so important is this concept has been one of the markers of my life. And I believe that if you lean in, I believe that this could shape, this idea that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks could shape the rest of your life. And the first thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, and hopefully you are, um, and I need you to ask God, there's a little bit of feedback, I don't know if you could fix that or not, I can hear it, um, or it's like an echo type thing, um, is we need to ask God to give us spiritual eyes so that we can see it, so that we can see it. Until you can actually see it, you can do nothing about it. And a lot of you, you don't see it. You haven't seen it. Or maybe some of you got a glimpse of it at summer camp or maybe at a fall retreat in the past. But you haven't seen it in a long time. And the it that I am talking about that we need to ask God to give us spiritual eyes to see is this thing called sin. Sin. Listen, until we see it, Nothing can really happen. So what is sin? Like, what is this thing? I mean, we, if you grew up in church, you know what it is. You maybe heard of it before. But if, maybe if you're not, you may have still heard the word, but you don't really know what it is. And if you were here this summer, we watched some videos, and he talked about that when you are shooting a bow and arrow and you miss the mark, what would the guy call out? Sin. Because we missed the mark. And every time we miss the mark with God... We sin. And the thing is, no one had to teach you how to sin. We're born with this kind of sin nature. I didn't have to teach my kids how to sin. When Isaiah was a little boy and he wanted something that Josiah had and he went and took it and slapped him. Like, I didn't teach him that. It's in our nature that we want to hit and take things when we're little. And it continues to grow as we get older. And this is what um, Billy Graham says about sin. This is his definition of sin. I really like it. It says, a sin is any thought or action that falls short of God's will. It could be a thought, it could be an action that falls short of God's will. God is perfect and anything we do that falls short of his perfection is sin. We live in a world right now that absolutely is drowning in sin. 
It's all around us. And all I want us to do tonight is see it. There's a couple of verses I want to put before you before we, um, because the Bible speaks very clearly of this idea of sin and what sin's aim is. What would sin look like if it had its way in your life? I'm actually thinking it would probably look like our world that we live in because we live in a broken world. It would look like destruction. It would look like selfishness and greed and hatred. It would look like sexual abuse and all kinds of broken things that we're surrounded by in our schools and in our families. If we turn on the news, it's all over the political world. It's all over the sports world. It's all over the fashion world that we live in. What would our world look like if sin had its way? I think it would probably look like the world that you live in today. And the Bible says a couple of things that's very clear about sin. And the first one that we're going to look at is in Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. And the Bible says that when it comes to sin, it's not sin. It's not a political thing. It's not a race thing. It's not an American thing. It's not a teenager thing. It says in Romans 3.23 that sin is a humanity thing. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every single person in this room, the person to your right and to your left and your small group leader and the person you're looking at on stage. We have all fallen short because of this thing called sin. The Bible says that a couple, couple things really clear, clear about, couple really clear things about sin. In Romans 3.23, the Bible says when it comes to sin, it is something that we've all done. We've all fallen short, everyone. And then if you flip over three um, chapters to chapter 6, it says this. For the wages of sin is death. Now think about this for a second. A wage is something that you earn, right? You work for. Like if you work somewhere, somewhere and you make $10 an hour and you work for five hours, your wage is $50. Right? Are you following me? So wage is something that you deserve, you earn. So because of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, because we've all sinned, we, our wage, we deserve death. And that word death is a spiritual death. means to means to be eternally separated from God forever. So because we've all sinned, that's what we deserve. But the rest of that verse says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God gave us a gift. And, a, and just like the opposite of wage, a wage is something that you work for, you, you earn, you deserve it. A gift you do not deserve. If someone gives you a gift tonight, you simply say, thank you. I don't know why you're giving me this. I don't deserve it. But that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. The free gift of God. God gave us a gift. That gift is eternal life. And it's only through Jesus Christ. So, the bad news is our wages, because of our, wage, uh, because of our sin, our wage is death. We deserve death. But God gave us a gift. And that gift is eternal life. And it's through Jesus. You can't understand the good news of Jesus until... You understand the bad news of sin. 
You can't understand the good news of Jesus until you understand the bad news of sin. If you don't understand this, then church is just going to be like a club that you come to. It's going to be a hobby. It's going to be the thing that you do because your friends go there. If you don't understand this, church will also be shallow and have no depth. It'll be hypocritical. And honestly, some of you, maybe you stopped coming to church because of that very same reason. So first, we want you to see it, that sin is out there, that sin is a part of who you are and a part of who I am. We have to see it. But then we've got to hate it. Hate it. So yes, I'm giving you permission tonight to hate something. The Bible is very clear that we are to hate this thing called sin. And if you really see what sin is and what sin does, if you really see what it causes and who it hurts and how it hurts and what its intent is, you won't try to make excuses for it. You will begin to hate it. For me, when I was your age, I had this kind of cyclical sin that I was involved in that I couldn't seem to shake. When I had this sin in my life that kept creeping in again and again and again, the reason I couldn't get rid of it, and the reason that some of you guys cannot get rid of the sin that you're in, that you just keep doing time and time again, it's just a cyclical thing in your life. You see it. But you don't hate it. You see the sin that's in your life. But you're choosing not to hate it. And God says we need to hate the sin. I think there there are people who see sin in the world. They see brokenness. They see school shootings and terrorism. And they see poverty and injustice and sex slavery. And see wars. And they say that is wrong. And they understand. They see it. And that's wrong. Somebody ought to do something about it. And they begin to have some hate that kind of stirs up in their heart. But they want to take the hate and place it on the wrong direction. They want to point fingers. They want to blame those who don't look like them. Or, or they want to blame a political party or, or maybe someone in your school. It's, it's her fault and I hate her. It's his fault and I hate him. It's my parents' fault and I hate them. It's my stepdad's fault and I hate him, you place the blame on someone else and all this hate builds up and you start to point the finger at the wrong person. You begin to take that hate and you hate the wrong person. And what we want to teach you to do in this series is not place your discontent and your anger and your rage and your hate to, to the wrong person. I believe that we got to take that anger and that hate And place it on the right thing. And that thing is our sin. Our sin. And I believe the Bible teaches us this. It's so clear all over scriptures that we have to focus all of our holy discontent on our sin. We can't fix the world's problems by hating other people's sins. And that's, I'm so inclined to do that. I see something that someone else is doing. It's like, oh, wow. I can't believe you would do that. I hate what you're doing. That is sinful. And we have this tendency to hate other people's brokenness or their shortcomings or other people's problems. And here's what I did when, when I was your age. And here's what many of you guys do as well. I would get angry. When I was your age, I would get angry at the sin that other people could see in my life. 
I will get angry and hate the sin that other people could see in my life, life, but I would not hate the sin that no one else knew about. I would not hate the sin that no one else knew about. The lust in my heart, I would not hate. The pride in my life, I would not hate. I didn't hate those things. I could be a good Christian out here where people were looking. But over in the inside of my heart, I didn't have to be too concerned because no one else knew about it but me. And what I need you to know is that that right there is absolutely a sign that you do not understand what sin is trying to do in your life. You don't really get it. John Owen, in his book, The Mortification of Sin, said this. says, you need to be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You need to be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Listen, we can't just show up to surge on Wednesday nights and live however we want to the rest of the week. That is not Christianity. That is not real Christianity. That's not what we are called to do. We are called to make a difference by making war on our personal sin. And I want to be clear on this. I'm not talking about making war on Muslims and their sins or making war on your friends and their sins. I'm talking about making war on your sins. And for me, making war on my sins. That's what we're called to do. So whose sins are you supposed to kill? You're not to kill your parents' sins, your teacher's sins. I'm not to kill my children's sins or my wife's sins. I am to kill my sin and you are to kill your sin. I can't kill your sin and you can't kill my sin. I have to make war on me and you have to make war on you. All right, so do you see it? Will you hate it? And lastly, number three is will you kill it? Will you kill it? Look what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. He says, put to death. (laughs) In other words, make war. Kill it. And then he lists some things. He says, therefore, put put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality. So just kind of take note of this. Sexual immorality. Are you guys doing anything that is immoral sexually? Impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness. That's a hard word to say, which is idolatry. On account, of these, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. And he keeps going, anger. Make war on these things. Wrath, malice, slander, which is talking about people behind their backs. And obscene talk from your mouth, which is filthy language. He says to make war on these things. Put them to death. Kill them. He says do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Which is being renewed in knowledge. Sorry, I'm behind. Um, After the image of its creator. So he's saying there's a new identity that comes with Christianity. It's not just an emotional decision that you made one night or maybe at summer camp or maybe the past couple of weeks or sometime in your life. It's not this emotional decision that you make. But literally, God gives you a new identity in Christ. 
We are to kill the sin in our life. He didn't say to, to put it to sleep until Friday night and then you can wake it up. No, kill the sin. If you're a Christian, you have a new identity that is found in Jesus Christ. And we are to walk in that new identity. Don't just walk in it on Wednesday nights at Surge. Walk in it every single day. Walk in it on your school campus. Get around men and women who are, who are walking in it and, and get around them so you can see it. Get around folks that, that you love that will call you out of it when you're not walking in it. And then one last scripture, and this is kind of the key passage for this series. Romans chapter 8. He says, so then, brothers, and we can add sisters because he's talking to all of us. He says, we are debtors. And some translations has the word obligation. We have an obligation, which means that we have a responsibility. It's on me. It's not on everybody else. It's not on my parents. It's not on my school. It's not on my friends. We all have an obligation. You have an obligation. Say it. I have an obligation. We all have an obligation. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So you're not obligated to the flesh. We have to stop paying attention, paying our debts to the, to the flesh. We owe nothing to the flesh except for war. Look at verse 13. It says, for if you live according to the flesh. So that is our nature. That's our sin nature. You were all born sinners, right? If you live according to this. You will die. And again, that is a spiritual death. Eternal death. So if you live the way that you're born and you never change, you never ask the Spirit of God to come and live inside of you, you would die. And that is not something you want to do. Sin is not something you do. It's who you are. It's our nature. So if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, and that's a great word to underline in your Bible because things are changing now. But if by the Spirit, and notice that the word Spirit is capitalized in your Scripture. Because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. That's where our power is. That's where you're going to find the energy. That's where you're going to find the ability to put to death anything. You can't do it on your own. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. It says right there that we have to use the power of of the Spirit. That's the only way that you and I can actually kill sin. You can't discipline it out. You can't even stop doing it. Religion tries to get you to stop sinning. You can't. You can't be good enough to not sin. You can't, you can't do good to outweigh the bad things you do and they all equal out. It's kind of like if I drink, if I eat a Kit Kat bar... I can't drink a diet soda with that and says, oh, it's fine. It equals every, everything equals out. That makes no sense. You can't do that. So we need the Spirit of God who gives us the power to overcome these things. Acts 1.8 says that um, you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And if you're a Christian tonight, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And that is the only way, listen, 
back to that cyclical sin I was in as a teenager. Finally, I asked God to take it away. I tried to do it on my own power. I tried to put myself in situations where it wouldn't happen. But guess what? It kept coming back. But it was only, it was only when the Spirit of God who took that desire away, who took that sin away, it wasn't me doing it in my own power. You have to rely on the Spirit of God to do that. You can't fight it on your own. You cannot kill it on your own. You need to put it to death to kill it. That's where this whole concept, make war, comes from. It's this aggressive, active, tenacious, ferocious violence in every single Christian life. Christianity is not this soft, soft, weak, puny thing that we do. True Christians would cause you to want to fight our sin nature. We need to fight our sin nature. We need to put it to death, the deeds of the flesh. We're called to make war. And we see that if, if we're willing to do this, Scripture says that we will live. So, before we go any further, I want you to answer yourself this question. Am I making war? Am I making war? Are you making war? Is that a part of your intentionality every single morning? When it comes to your day at school and your conversations that you have and the people that you hang out with and the jokes that you laugh at and the stories that you tell and the lunch table that you sit at, are you making war? When it comes to your classroom that you sit in every single day, are you choosing to make war and not cheat on that test? When it comes to your relationships that you have, your dude friends and your girlfriends and your boyfriend, girl, whatever it is, are you choosing to make war? When it comes to your weekends and your weekdays, are you making war? Are you deliberate? Are you intentional to make war in your life? Guys, we're called to make war. And guess what? I didn't give you any answers on how to do this tonight. And that was very intentional. Because we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at what it means. How do we do this? How do we make war on our lives? Will you pray with me? And this is what I want you to ask. Am I making war? Am I making war? Not, and, and again, we didn't give you any details on how to do this. And some of you maybe are here tonight and... You're like, I don't even have the power to do this. I don't have the power to make war. I can't do this on my own. Because you never accepted Christ. And I will simply tell you this, that if you are here tonight, you don't know Christ, talk to your small group leader tonight. Or find me afterwards. And let's talk about what this means to accept Christ in your life. But you cannot do this on your own power. You have to have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And for everyone else, is there something in your life that you need to make war on? Is there a sin in your life that you need to make war on? I declare war on this. And what is this for you? What is this for you? God, we, we come to you and we... 
Understand that we cannot do this on our own power. We have to rely on you. But I pray for every single person in this room, those who are struggling with some type of sin in their life that they just need to make war on, that you just help them, give them the power through your spirit to do that. God, break us of our sin. God, I pray for those who maybe who, who, who just don't have a relationship with you and they, they maybe are trying to do this on their own power. I pray that they would just surrender their lives to you tonight. God, during this last song, I pray that you would just help us to do business with you. I pray that we would leave here different than when we came in here tonight. God, we pray this all in your name. Amen. So during this last song, this is what we're going to do. Um, I want to be more of a time of reflection for you. And if you need to stand up and sing, go for it. If you want, like we did last week, if you want to come up here and just pray, it's for you to pray. If you want to sit and pray at your seat, do that. If you want to stand and sing, do that. But ask that question, am I making war? Is there something in your life that you need to declare war on? Don't leave here tonight without doing it. Don't leave here tonight without talking to God and having a conversation with God. And declare war on those things. Let's sing.